It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Well, most of you probably have heard the line from that famous Charles Dickens novel that begins, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. And I really do think that is a description of the 21st century American media and maybe even the media worldwide. Because if you look at cable news, if you look at the nightly news, if you read the newspaper, you are just fed the same regurgitated talking points, opinions, and establishment pablum. And it seems like there's fewer and fewer choices if you want something different from what's on any of those outlets. Sure, some of these outlets build themselves as right of center. Some of them build themselves as left of center. But ultimately, they all come down to perpetuating the status quo. And in that respect, the media really is the worst of times. However, The fact that with the Internet, with YouTube, with podcasts, with independent media, entities like Substack and other similar blogs, you're now in a position to find every opinion leader, every thought leader you can imagine and follow them and watch everything they have to say, read everything they have to write. And they're not limited to six and a half minutes of commentary before they have to hit a commercial break. They can go on for an hour, hour and a half. That means I think we're very much in the best of times. And that is why I am so glad these are the times that we're in when it comes to Judge Andrew Napolitano's podcast, because the Judging Freedom podcast, which you haven't, if you haven't watched it on YouTube or listened to it or caught it at JudgeNap.com, is the most thorough examination, not just of legal issues, but of the major issues that the world is facing and that America is facing anywhere. And in any any other era you wouldn't be able to find this kind of commentary and this sort of in-depth analysis anywhere and I'm thrilled that we're able to see it regularly even more thrilled that the man behind the Judging Freedom podcast is kind enough to join me today Judge Andrew Napolitano former New Jersey Superior Court judge longtime Fox News judicial analyst and the host of Judging Freedom Judge it is great to talk with you thanks for staying up late with us Oh Frank what a pleasure my friend and thank you the one of the more generous generous introductions I've ever received. God love you, my friend. Well, I'm not introducing you with opera the way Joe Piscopo does or... <laughs> Not at this time of day. <laughs> or stories about Mexican food the way that uh, Sid Rosenberg does. But, um, you know, I want to pick your brain on a bunch of hot-button legal issues, but I do have to ask you about your podcast, Judging Freedom, which, again, if people haven't watched it, it's on YouTube, and it's uh, also at JudgeNap.com. Do you find the forum that you're in now, being able to talk to who you want, say whatever you want, really delve in in depth into issues, do you find that kind of format much more freedom and much more freeing than what you were doing on cable news and even when you were doing your syndicated radio show? Well, yes, for the most part. You know, you, you don't have a boss. Uh, you don't have to stop after, as you said in the intro, four, five, or six minutes. Six minutes would be very, very long by uh, Fox standards. Uh, you really can bore into deeply what you uh, what you want to talk about. I mean, I have some 
really wonderful uh, guests who are basically iconoclastic with respect to their former employers, uh, you know, ex-military and ex-CIA, harshly critical of the Biden administration, harshly critical of the Department of Defense, harshly critical of the Central Intelligence Agency and the intelligence community. And I can have serious, meaningful, really exploratory uh, conversations with these folks. I'm in an area where I never thought I would be. I'm a legal scholar. I've written 10 books on the Constitution. Mm. The last is a 500-page, 2,000-footnote treatise on natural rights and and Supreme Court uh, jurisprudence. I never thought that I'd be looked upon uh, as some sort of an expert or expositor of Ukraine. Mm. But the war in Ukraine has so uh, aggravated me. The Biden administration has been uh, so non-transparent, uh, and these wonderful guests have come to me, and it's become uh, the central location to go to hear the uh, view of the war in Ukraine, contrary to the one that you get uh, from the mainstream media. And that view is that Ukraine is losing, that the war is only being fought because America is extending it, because Joe Biden wants to run for re-election as a wartime president, and because many of the neocons that work for him in the State Department and the uh, Defense Department want to use Ukraine as a battering ram, and they think that Putin is an evil monster, and this is their opportunity uh, to get rid of him. The contrary argument is that this is a border dispute that's been going on for 300 years, literally started in 1730. Uh, There's no American national security interest, and we should stay out. And if we had stayed out, it would have been over with about eight months ago. Well, you know, I was going to pick your brain on some legal issues first, but since you mentioned this, let me me ask you about this. Whatever you want. Uh, I love your show. Well, thank you. I love WABC. I love Sid. I love the cat man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're 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 in accord not only on uh, on the Ukraine issue but on everything that you said in the last twenty seconds. But um, since since the, inform people who only are exposed to the conventional narrative when it comes to Ukraine. The the conventional narrative is that Vladimir Putin is sort of a James Bond-style villain, uh, Hitler-esque, depending on what outlet is covering him, who invaded his neighbor in a war of aggression after Russia wasn't attacked, and that Putin is absolutely the bad guy, Zelensky is absolutely the good guy, and the United States, as the the people that stand up for human rights and democracy, we have an obligation to stand up for the good guy. We hear that not just from Biden, who you alluded to, but we hear this from a lot of Republicans as well. People like Lindsey Graham, uh, people like Mitch Uh, McConnell. Why is that conventional narrative on Ukraine and Russia flawed? Well, it overlooks history. Uh, and the history is that uh, the the American State Department and Central Intelligence Agency waged a coup in 2004, uh, and then when the uh, Ukrainian people uh, voted for a, a neutral but but eastward leaning Moscow leaning leader, uh, they waged the coup again in 2014. In 2009. Uh, the uh, European Union and the United States and Russia entered into the Minsk Accords. You never hear this stuff, by the way. And the Minsk Accords stated that the Russian uh, Russian speaking parts of Ukraine belong to Russia 
because that's what the people there are culturally, historically, uh, linguistically. Uh, yet Ukraine uh, and the United States and the State Department uh, staged uh, a coup in 2014. Uh, they they required a third vote for president because the first two votes weren't the way they wanted it. Of course, the Ukraine Constitution doesn't permit anything more than uh, than one vote, uh, and that's when they threw out and chased back to uh, Moscow the popularly elected president. And that's when President Zelensky's predecessor came in, and then Zelensky, of course, uh, was elected. Zelensky wages a a tyrannical tyrannical. Uh, regime uh, that crushes the liberty of everybody who's uh, Russian-speaking. Much of his regime is, you mentioned Hitler, is aligned to uh, Nazism. Uh, To them, the uh, the Russians are a a race of people that could and should be uh, exterminated. These are the people with whom the United States uh, has aligned uh, itself. Putin um, is not only uh, legally correct to want to take back Donbass and the areas uh, of Ukraine that were given to him by the Minsk uh, agreement. Uh, He's morally correct uh, to want to do that. When East Germany was liberated under George H.W. Bush and his secretary, uh, Jim Baker, Jim Baker, Jim Baker and George H.W. promised Mikhail Gorbachev that NATO, which has nuclear weapons aimed at Moscow, wouldn't move, quote, one inch eastward. We, NATO has since moved 800 miles eastward in Poland and uh, has continued to aim nuclear weapons at Moscow. Putin has no choice but to prevent Ukraine uh, from becoming another Russia filled with nuclear weapons aimed at Moscow. Given everything that you just said about the history and where we are now, what should the United States be doing going forward? Given all the mistakes the United States has made, let's say the next president was someone that sought your counsel and said, look, Judge, I didn't get us into this mess, but I want to make the United States more secure. I want to make the world a safer place. I want fewer Russians, fewer Ukrainians to die. I want fewer refugees. What do we do to get out of this? If you had your druthers, what would the next step Joe Biden has not given us an off-ramp. Uh, he himself warned a year ago that providing uh, air power would lead to World War III. Almost exactly to the day, uh, a year later, uh, he announced while he was in Hiroshima, Japan, of all uh, places, right. uh, he announced that we would permit the Germans to give F-16s. So we, we manufacture the F-16s. We sell them to Great Britain, France. Uh, and Germany, but we sell them on the contingent that they can't resell them or give them away without our consent. So the United States consented to these F-16s, which are uh, fighter uh, uh, jets, very sophisticated. Uh, the Ukrainians are not uh, prepared to um, uh, to use them. So Joe has gotten us into this so so deeply, it's it's nearly impossible to get out. But if Donald Trump were elected tomorrow, or if any Republican were elected tomorrow, and Trump and, and Governor DeSantis are the only two that take this view, um, I, I would encourage them to commence uh, peace 
negotiations immediately. Uh, Zelensky will do whatever the State Department asks him to do to stop providing aid there, to get Americans out of there. We do have troops on the ground. Joe's not going to admit it. We have troops on the ground out of uniform, which is crazy, because they're under the Geneva Convention, fair game to be shot, and if they're, uh, if they're captured, fair game to be executed summarily without a trial as spies. That's what the Geneva Convention says when you're in a war zone uh, out of uniform. Uh, this this uh, providing them with a hundred billion with a B dollars worth of military equipment, four hundred million dollars worth of cash, which we know is being distributed to generals and politicians in uh, in Ukraine. All of that uh, pipeline should stop immediately. Now this is not going to happen unless Trump or uh, DeSantis are elected. Even my my longtime friend from New Jersey, Governor Christie, uh, whom I like very much, I don't endorse him because I'm a libertarian. These guys are all big government Republicans, but I know Chris and I love him and he's pro-life and he's smart and he understands government. In my view, he's on the wrong side of this issue and he and I have had private uh, conversations uh, about it. Uh, We have basically, and now I'm going to mirror what you said at uh, Gerald Salenti's uh, peace rally uh, on Memorial Day weekend, which I uh, watched on my iPhone, we have basically one party in Washington. Mm. It's the big government party. It's pro-war. It's pro-welfare state. It's pro-national security state. It's pro um, uh, Federal Reserve. It has a Republican wing and a Democrat wing. But they basically stand for the same thing. Okay, there are some serious libertarians amongst Republicans who rebel. There are some serious progressives amongst the Democrats who rebel. But the vast majority of both parties are personified by Kevin McCarthy. Same thing all over again. Borrow all the money you need. Grow all the government you want. Fight all the wars you can get involved in. Let me, if people just tuning in, we're talking with uh, former New Jersey Superior Court Judge Andrew Napolitano. And uh, if you like what you're hearing today, you can uh, catch it regularly on the Judging Freedom podcast. You can, you can subscribe on YouTube. You can also go to JudgeNap.com. Terrific content on there. I steal some of my best content from that podcast. So be sure to check Thank it out. You. Thank you. <laughs> I need all the help I can get. Uh, let me take advantage of your legal acumen. Obviously, uh, this week, there's been a lot of attention, rightly so, being paid to the indictment of former Marine Daniel Penny for the killing of Jordan Neely. Now, the indictment has not been unsealed, as I understand it yet, but based on what you're hearing and based on what's being reported, what exactly is Daniel Penny being charged with? He is being charged with criminally negligent homicide. So this is the the death of a person by reckless, without intent, by reckless disregard uh, for for human life, this this is almost like swinging a golf club without looking to making sure nobody's behind you when you hit the person in the head and they die. You didn't intend to kill them, but you were so reckless in your concern for human life that they died as a result of what you did. Um, no one, except maybe a bunch of crazies and 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 race baiters. Uh, would claim that Penny did what he did in, in caused the death intentionally, uh, but there's a substantial argument to be made that he applied too much pressure and applied it uh, for too long and restrained this guy and prevented him from breathing. 
uh, and thereby uh, caused his death. You have said that part of the legal problem for Daniel Penny, not necessarily the ethical or the moral one, could involve New York's duty to retreat statute in the law, which goes back to the late 60s. Explain that again to folks. If people think nobody could ever convict Daniel Penny of anything, why might he have a legal problem? Well, with the exception of your own home, and you don't have to own it, it can be your apartment that you rent. Um, if if someone is threatening you, you have a duty to retreat, that is to leave the, the zone of their threat uh, before you have the legal right to strike uh, out at them. So a judge, whoever tries this penny case, uh, will tell the jury, and this is why a lot of the testimony is going to come from uh, engineers about the makeup of the subway a car that he was on. If you find that Mr. Uh, Penny had the opportunity to leave the subway car or to leave the portion of the subway car where he felt threatened by Mr. Neely and didn't do so, uh, then you should find uh, you should find him guilty. That is a very very difficult charge for his people to overcome. If if Neely had. Uh, gone after Penny or somebody else there with a deadly weapon, he then would have been able to uh, intercede. But there's no deadly weapon. There's nothing but his words. And in the face of words in New York, you have the duty to retreat. Now, the duty to retreat doesn't exist in every state. It doesn't exist in Florida, for example, where the law is the opposite, called stand your ground. Uh, but but it is the law uh, in New York, whether you like the law or not, whether you think it is a a law that protects human life or, or turns us all into sissies that have to run away. I mean, that's for the legislature, but it is the law. It was the law at the time that this happened, and, and the judge will explain it that way. So as much as uh, Penny's instincts were heroic, uh, I think he's going to have a very difficult time with this uh, Uh, duty to retreat charge when the judge explains it to the jury. Uh, You have helped me understand the concept of jury nullification and the historical grounds for it on this continent better than anyone. With that in mind, ultimately the the enforcement of these laws comes down to people and his fate, Penny's fate, is going to be decided by 12 Manhattanites, many if not all of whom take the subway on a regular basis and no what it's like to encounter someone you're afraid of like Jordan Neely. With that in mind, I have a tough time seeing 12 Manhattanites convict someone like Daniel Penny. I mean, how do you see it? Well, they may very well engage in jury nullification. I mean, jury nullification basically means the jury is telling the government you shouldn't have brought the case. This is not... Uh, not a question of guilt or innocence. We're going to exonerate the defendant because you shouldn't have brought the case. Jury nullification is uh, embedded in American law. The problem uh, is that when defense counsel asks for it, the judges always say, no, I'm not going to tell the jury. So the jury needs to know on their own that they can nullify the prosecution. It basically means the government has proved its case, but they shouldn't have gone after this person for a public policy reason. And the public policy reason is the thugs and the creeps and the crawlers on the subway ought to know that there are Daniel Pennies out there. That is a uh, an argument that the the judge is not going to let Penny's lawyers make. 
but it, it will seep into to the jury, but it will seep into their consciousness through people like you and me and uh, Sid Rosenberg and, uh, and uh, editorial and, and op-ed writers. One of the things that a lot of people have raised in this Penny case is that the Jordan Neely toxicology report hasn't been released. And a lot of people, namely the defenders of Penny, have viewed that with some suspicion. What Do you read anything into that, the fact that we're not seeing any toxicology? No, no, report? I don't. I know no. from my experience on the bench, having tried so many of these cases, these toxicology reports take forever. Not because the medical examiner is slow or sloppy, but because the tests take a long time. I mean, there are many, many tests that take weeks to perform uh, just because that's that's the way nature has has made certain tissues in our body. Uh, However, uh, the government has no obligation to reveal that toxicology uh, test until the time comes for discovery, and that time hasn't even come yet. That time hasn't even started yet, much less ended. So uh, Penny's lawyers will get it. If they don't give it to Penny's lawyers, then the case will be dismissed. They must, uh, under a case called United States versus Brady, they must share their file uh, with uh, with Penny's lawyers. And Penny's lawyers are sophisticated uh, defense counsel. They know that. And Alvin Bragg's people are sophisticated prosecutors. They know that. They're not going to lose this case because they failed to follow the procedure. So they'll eventually get that. They'll get the autopsy. Their own experts will opine on the cause uh, of death. Their own engineering experts will opine on the ease or lack of ease with which a penny could have retreated. You know, the duty to retreat means there must be a place to which you can retreat. So Penny's uh, lawyers are going to try and demonstrate that there was no place uh, for him for, for which, to which he could have retreated in that environment on that uh, subway car at that moment in time. The uh, I know I'm pushing my luck uh, with uh, this late hour and uh, asking you to weigh in on so many different things, but uh, the news of the world is this latest Trump indictment. Uh, President Trump indicted in this uh, f- a federal case brought by Jack Smith in Florida. You've said this is a, a pretty tough case for him based on what the evidence shows and what the indictment reads. In a nutshell, can you explain to the audience why this is such a tough case for well, Trump? Well, my column uh, today comes out on Thursdays, or actually it was yesterday, Thursday. My column uh, uh, is called The Case Against Donald Trump, and I begin it with this line. It gives me no joy to write about the prosecution of Donald Trump. I mean, he and I have been friends for 37 years, um, going back to before Fox existed, before my days uh, on Fox and Friends. I I met him uh, through his sister, who was a colleague of mine. Um, She was a federal judge in the years that I was a state judge, and we ended up trying a case together. She tried the federal part. I tried the state card. It's very unusual and very rare, but it happens once in a while. And one day she invited me uh, to meet her brother, and she sat me at a dinner party. Listen to this. On my left is Donald Trump. On my right is George Steinbrenner. I mean, I wish that I had a picture of this dinner party. Uh, but be that as it may, it's it's how I initially met him. We are very good friends. He consulted with me many times uh, in his uh, in his White House years. Having said that, as well as I know him, 
and as familiar as I am with criminal law and, and the federal rules of criminal procedure, he is his own worst enemy. Sure. Uh, this indictment uh, is filled, even Alan Dershowitz, for whom I have the highest regard, uh, and who was one of Trump's lawyers in the first impeachment, uh, admitted in the Wall Street Journal the other day, he was shocked at the gravity of the evidence that the government has. And much of it, Professor Dershowitz agrees, comes from the mouth, directly or indirectly, of Donald Trump. I'll give you two examples. He is at a uh, meeting at Bedminster, his uh, home and, and golf club in New Jersey, not far from where I live. And he's doing a very generous thing. He's sitting down, talking to a ghostwriter and two reporters, who, uh, and two a publisher, uh, publishing editorial assistants, who are helping his former chief of staff, Mark Meadows, uh, write his uh, biography of his year as Trump's chief of staff. Trump agrees to sit down and talk to these people. Most presidents wouldn't. And they say, can we tape you? And he says, yes. It's Donald Trump. It's two or three people from the publishing company. It's two or three uh, aides of Donald Trump. And it's a woman operating the tape recorder. And they're talking away about all the things that happened in the last 10 months of his presidency. All of a sudden, Trump pulls out a piece of paper and he says, look at this. This is a plan to a for the American military to invade Iran. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was prepared for me by General Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. It's all secret stuff. I could have declassified it, and I shouldn't. And one of the aides goes, we got a problem here, Mr. President. And he goes, well, that's interesting. And then they go on and they change the subject. It, it, Whoa! This admits that he has... This, this is acknowledgement, and, and the government has this tape. That It's not a surveillance tape. It's a tape he knew was being made. It's his own words that he has something that's NDI. Now, Judge Napolitano, what is NDI? It's national defense information. It has nothing to do with classified or declassified. National defense information, secrets about the American military and secrets that the U.S. knows about foreign military, which is what this document is. How many troops would it take? Where would they attack? Where are the Iranians vulnerable? I mean, thank God he didn't do this. We don't know if the military just gave him this or if he asked for it. Knowing General Milley as I did, the president asked for it. The general wouldn't just give him this because he's not one of these people that wants to fight a war at the drop of a hat. But NDI, National Defense Information, is always and everywhere unlawful to possess when it's outside of a secure federal facility. The president couldn't have taken NDI to Mar-a-Lago while he was still president, because Mar-a-Lago is not a secure federal facility. We know that. They arrested and prosecuted and convicted a Chinese spy at Mar-a-Lago who was there during the time that he was uh, the president of the United States. So that's a very, very serious problem for him. Problem number two, the most damning testimony before the grand jury came from one of his lawyers. Well, now, how the heck can that be? What about the attorney-client privilege? Here's the attorney-client privilege 101. You're a lawyer. Client comes to your office and says, I'm about to be charged with robbing a bank. What are my defenses? Mm -hmm. And you go through the defenses. You didn't do it. You were a thousand miles away. The money was yours anyway. The bank hates you. They they say <laughs> you you smell. Every time you're in there, they charge you uh, with this. You don't remember. There's insanity. Whatever the defenses are, that conversation is privileged. Now, 
a client comes to you and says, I plan to rob a bank, what will my defenses be? That conversation is not privileged. Why? Because the second conversation will use the lawyer's advice to commit a fraud or to commit a crime. Now, with that in mind, Donald Trump, not knowing this, thinking that everything he said to his lawyers and everything they said to him, the feds would never find out about, he says to them, after they get the subpoena for the documents, tell them we have the documents anyway. Tell them that we, we don't have to die any more documents. Tell them that we looked and we can't find any more. Lawyer A tells that to lawyer B. Lawyer B says it under oath to a grand jury. When the feds got their hands on this document, they didn't believe it. They got a, a, a warrant from a federal uh, judge uh, to search the place. We all know about that. We all know what happened uh, last uh, August. They found, you know, 300 and some odd NDI documents there. Then they went back to the lawyer and subpoenaed him. You, you, you obviously lied. You've got to tell us what happened. No, attorney-client privilege. The judge held a trial, a secret trial, because it involves the grand jury. And everybody testified at that trial that was involved except Trump. He didn't want to testify. And at the end of the trial, the judge said, I find that the president lied to lawyer A, who lied to lawyer B, who, who made a perjurious perjury statement under oath. The government is not going to prosecute them because the government knows that they were relying on what Trump told them. So there's no attorney-client privilege, so they subpoena lawyer A. Lawyer A tells all this to the grand jury, and then he says, oh, by the way, the president said to me, why don't you take these documents back to your hotel room and make them disappear? That's the second category of Trump's words that are in this indictment. The third category involves this fellow, Walt Nauta, his, his aide, former Navy aide in the White House, who when Trump left the White House, this fellow went, uh, went with him. And uh, the grand jury asked Nauta if he ever moved documents around the house. And he said no. a square feet. You can't sure. call it a house. It's enormous. Right. If he ever moved documents around in order to escape federal scrutiny, and he said no, absolutely not, forgetting that there were tapes of him uh, taking documents out of a storage room. The next day, the feds go in the storage room. The next day, he puts the documents back in the storage room, and there were texts of him saying, the president told me to take the documents mm. out on Monday. The president told me to put the documents back in on Thursday. The government was here on Wednesday. The government has all this stuff. It's all laid out in the indictment. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Well, so understanding the tough legal position that he's in, one of the things that the defenders of Trump, both legally and politically, have pointed out is that a lot of other people have done the same thing. They point to Hillary Clinton in the emails. They point to instances with Biden, which I know is a different case. I know the Pence situation is a bit different than that. But, you know, in the case of General Petraeus, who shared classified information, very serious classified information with his mistress and then lied to the FBI about it, there was no no seeking of prison time or a felony conviction with him. Same thing with Sandy Berger, who seemed to have much more of a malicious intent than Trump did in his handling of this uh, national defense material. It seems like the Trump people are hanging the hat on a lot of people do this and the penalty and the punishment that the government is seeking for Trump doing it is worse than what they've sought for everybody else who's done similar things. Is that a valid legal argument at all? I, I appreciate that argument, but no, that's a political argument. That is, that is an argument uh, in the court of public opinion, uh, which Trump's people will hope will seep into the minds of the jury because the judge is not going to let them make that. The, t- the technical argument you're talking about is called selective prosecution. And selective prosecution, that is going after only one person for doing something when 10 others have done it, has to be based on an immutable characteristic of birth, like uh, like race or ethnicity or used to be an immutable characteristic, gender. It's not immutable anymore. Uh, It has to be based on something like that in order for it to be selective prosecution. Now, with respect to the cases that you just enumerated, um, I led the charge at Fox for many years against Mrs. Clinton. The allegations against her, in my view, are far more serious, were far more serious than the allegations uh, against Donald Trump. She absolutely should have been prosecuted. Loretta Lynch did a favor for Bill Clinton. Loretta Lynch was the attorney general at the time. They let Jim Comey take the fall. Uh, I've been a critic of Jim Comey, but this was not his decision. He may have made the announcement, but the decision was the attorney general's not to prosecute Mrs. Clinton. She absolutely should have been prosecuted because she not only failed to keep secure NDI, she destroyed the evidence of it by bleaching that server. That's why they're going after Trump and not Biden and not Pence and not the others, because he, I'm going to use Bill Barr's phrase, Trump's last attorney general, he jerked the FBI around. He sent them on a wild goose chase. If he had simply surrendered the documents, which some of his lawyers advised him to do, we wouldn't be having this conversation. But it's this view of his that the documents are mine. They're not his. They belong to the federal government, and they happen to be NDI. Uh, And NDI, as I told you, we're criminal to possess outside of a secure federal facility. I don't know if Joe Biden had NDI, because that investigation hasn't revealed anything. I don't know if Mike uh, Pence did. I'm going to guess that David uh, Petraeus did. The, The Sandy Berger case is is a an act of corruption on the part of the Bush administration. N- not, the n- prosecutor who cut that deal for Sandy Berger got a federal judgeship. Ah. 
in return for letting Sandy Berger off the hook. Oh. Sandy Berger went to the National Archives and put original documents into his underwear <laughs> and walked out with them. Amazing. He should have gone to jail for 15 years for that. Judge, I, I, I'm way long, and I know you got to get got to go, and, and so do I. But I'll just ask, a number of people have asked me, what, there are going to be a number of issues litigated here. Selective prosecution, you alluded to. A lot of people have brought up the Presidential Records Act, and a lot of people think there's a little bit more leeway on the attorney-client issue and a whole, probably a whole bunch of other issues, many of whom we may, many of which we may not even know yet. A lot of people have said that there might be an opportunity for President Trump to go to the Supreme Court even before going through the appellate courts after he's found guilty. Is there a realistic avenue for him to have the Supreme Court weigh in either on this case or any of the other legal cases he's facing? Not pre-conviction. The Supreme Court of the United States does not get involved uh, in uh, uh, generally uh, in appeals until there's a final uh, decision below. So if there's an acquittal, there's nothing to appeal. If there's a conviction, of course he's going to uh, appeal the conviction. Judge, we're going to have to end it there. I always learn so much whenever we're together, and uh, it's a real treat to be able to call you a friend and to be able to have you on the radio. Uh, right back at you, my friend. You work for a great man, and you work with a, a lot of my friends, and it's a joy to be on air with Thank you. Thank you so much. All uh, the best to you. Judge Andrew Napolitano, check out the Judging Freedom podcast. If you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, you could do so. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. Other Side of Midnight. This time of year, there are a lot of patriotic holidays, Memorial Day, Flag Day, Independence Day. Wouldn't it be nice if you could send a cigar to one of our servicemen overseas? Well, you can, thanks to the Patriot Cigar Company. Go to MyPatriotCigars.com, and for 10 bucks, you could send a cigar to a military serviceman serving abroad. Get yourself one while you're there, and use the discount code FRANK to save yourself some money. Go to MyPatriotCigars.com. It's a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots.